It is time to talk some more NRL fantasy as our uh, pre-season position-by-position guides continue. Chris Kennedy and Don Brock back in the NRL.com podcasting suite. Don Brock, good to see you again. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, some footy back last week. Um, was good to see. All-Stars game was great as always and uh, a lot of big trial games this weekend. So we'll get our first real look at how teams are going to line up in round one, I think, yeah, this week. Yeah, a little bit of a taste of footy uh, last weekend, but much more of a clue, like you say, should be coming up this weekend. That's not going to stop us, though, as we... We uh, forge ahead talking about the edge forwards and the halves today. Um, we'll kick it off with the edge forwards. There's going to be a few dual position guys in here we touched on last week talking about the middles. But um, kicking it off, one of the most owned players in fantasy, star Titans recruit big David Fafita is in 30% of teams. Um, priced at 710k, break even, kicking in at around, what is it, 53. What do you reckon? Yeah, he was one of the standouts in that All-Stars game. Had the highest uh, fantasy score based on stats in that game with 64, I think. So, yeah, even before that, he was, um, as you say, really popular. He averaged, I think, 57 last year when he was playing the full 80 in the second row, which is his, you know, the, the role he'll play at the Titans uh, this year. Uh, Breaking even at 53, so a little underpriced. Um, pretty good buy, I think, all around, you know. A, a keeper, probably, at a, at a good discount. Do you think how much of a discount do you reckon that is? Because obviously we've got to take into account that the Titans in 2021 are probably going to be better than the Broncos were in in 2020. But he was putting together some pretty big individual scores based on basically one individual play yeah. per game. He scores sort of 30 something points in one play. Do you do you foresee a lot of upside or maybe just a little bit? I think he'll be around that 55 mid mid 50s. It depends a bit, as you say. You know, he's less of a standout probably in this Titans team than he was at the Broncos last year. But by the same token, if the Titans are winning games and getting a lot of try scoring opportunities, then that's good for him as well. He's unusual for a forward in fantasy in that he doesn't score hugely from base stats. He'll get, you know, 35, 40 in tackles and metres, but then go on a big run and make, you know, mm. four or five tackle breaks, score a try maybe, and then his, his score takes off. So. Uh, yeah, he'll be a bit hit and miss, but uh, yeah, I think he's a pretty reliable option at that price. Intriguing option is the uh, the second most owned edge forward currently in fantasy. Uh, another guy who was actually in the All-Stars, actually, in Jordan Rickey from uh, the Brisbane Broncos. Very much a rookie. We saw a tiny bit of him last year. He's priced at 344K. He's in uh, at 27% of teams, break-even at 26. So not quite that bargain basement, but um, very cheap if he does uh, land that starting gig. Yeah, he played well in the All-Stars as well. Got a try. Um, looks very strong. Again, at that price, it's it's hard to see him going backwards, assuming he does get a start in that Broncos uh, back row. So a lot of these guys are really teamless dependent. I think if they start, then they're a pretty good buy. And if they're on the bench, then just uh, ignore at this point. But, um, yeah, it looks like I think he's going to start. And break even in the 20s should score 40 or above. So very solid buy. For sure. Uh, third most owned is now under an injury cloud. He's uh, still in my uh, squad as we speak, but it's uh, young West Tigers forward Sean Bloor. Very cheap at 246k in just over 25% of teams. Um, obviously, uh, at that price, a low break even of just 18. All the talk through the preseason was that he was going to start, but he's been spotted with a, uh, a wrist brace on. Yeah, the wrist injury, I think it's got him in doubt maybe for round one, which is... Uh, really tricky for fantasy coaches. If he doesn't play at all in round one, it's a big gamble to keep someone who's just not playing in your team. Um, he might come back via the bench, who knows. So, yeah, again, you want him starting. He's so cheap that if he gets 30, 35, 40 points, he's still a great buy. But, yeah, if he's a bench player playing 20 minutes a game on an edge, then he's not really worth it. So, mm. 
Are you going to run with him at this point, wait and see? Definitely a, a wait and see. If it looks like he's going to shrug off the, the injury and start in round one, then it's probably uh, a no-brainer to get him. Um, I guess question without notice is, and whether it relates to Sean Bloor or not, can you have someone in your squad, given it's only 21 players, who you're pretty sure is going to play most of the year and be good if they're not going to play in round one? If you're certain they're going to have a, a decent role for round you know, two onwards, then then maybe any further than that. I mean, there's there's guys... I've seen people in the past have um, picked rookies who aren't picked in round one, just assuming they'll come in at some point. And once in a while it pays off if they come in in round four or something, but you can be waiting for half a season sometimes. This isn't the case for Bloor, who's going to play, obviously, at some point. But um, you kind of want to be sure of the roles. And you want to be making money from all your players from round yeah. one, ideally. There's a lot of cash cows this year, so I think it's a bit of a waste to... Um, you know, use up a spot on someone who's not going to score any points. I feel like there's probably going to be enough uh, cheaper players to not take the risk yep. this year as well. Fourth most owned, certainly not a cheapie. It's Angus Crichton from the Roosters, 833k. Um, very appealing given that he uh, is involved, uh, is available at both uh, the middle and edge role. Um, break even of 62, so uh, he's going to need to score pretty heavily from the, the get-go to justify that price tag. Yeah, we mentioned him last week. Um, with Boyd Cordner injured, no Orbison there. He's the senior second rower now at the Roosters. Um, he's been a great fantasy scorer for quite a while. Break even in the 60s, he should hit 60s. You know, possible um, improvement on that if he's uh, a real um, go-to man and attack for the Roosters this year. So, and dual position as well. So, so really safe um, all round. I think he's a very solid option, maybe as a captain to start the year. Yeah be cool. Um, another dual position who we did touch on last week is Ben Murdoch Masila, come back from the UK playing at the Warriors. All the talk is he's going to be playing on an edge. Uh, we've seen him play uh, prop for Tonga in the last couple of years, but um, he, he needs a big minute role to, to justify getting him into your squad. He's cheap, but he's not bargain basement at yeah. 405k. Yeah, so his break even's 30. Um, most 80 minute second rowers score around 40 or maybe 45 under the new rules, so he really needs to start and play big minutes um, to be worth it. Um, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys. If he is named to start, he'll be in a lot of teams for round one. And uh, right after that, Corey Harawira Naira. Um, I actually can't believe how cheap he is. Only 310k. He must have. Um, I feel like he played well last year, but he must have had some pretty short stints there to uh, to have his price that low. But obviously, a question mark now over his involvement in the early rounds after an off-season indiscretion. Coach Ricky Stewart suggesting he's going to have to work his way back into the team. Yeah, he was a must-have before that, but. Um yeah, if he's going to be coming off the bench, say, in the first few weeks, um, that's bad. He won't score mm. that many more than 23 points. If he's starting and playing 60 or 70 or 80 minutes, then he's an absolute bargain. So, yeah, if we if we knew for sure that he's going to be back in the starting team from round two, say, then he's still a pretty good buy. But as is, big question marks, probably one to look for in the first few weeks as you're making trades, you know, trading at dud cows or something. Mm. He might be one to pick up. Interesting one in that Raiders pack. Obviously, Elliot Whitehead's got one of the edge spots absolutely locked down, barring injury. John Bateman's departure opens up that other spot. A lot of talk about Hudson Young, but I thought he was so good in the middle yeah. last year. You've probably still got potentially an edge spot open. They do have a lot of middles, though, so they might have to shoehorn one of them out wide. It um, doesn't make Corey Harrower and Ira a guaranteed um, starter on that edge. Yeah, I mean, he is a specialist edge player, and I think he was mm. kind of brought in with Bateman's departure in mind, so... Yeah, I think the role's probably his in the long term, but um, yeah, we'll see how far he's you know, got Ricky Stewart offside with this um, drink driving charge. So mm. yeah, we'll wait and see. 
Absolutely. Uh, after that, another dual position we touched on last week in Cam Murray. He's been a fantasy elite in the last couple of years, but um, probably a few question marks over him this year, starting at 722k in uh, almost 13% of teams. Yeah, so he's going to start at lock, we think. Um, break even in the mid-50s. I think he's going to score in the mid-50s, so get what you pay for. Kind of a, a poor man's Angus Crichton is dual position as well, but you can spend a little more and get probably five or six maybe 10 more points a game. Mm. We've, been, we, we've talked about this a couple of times through the off-season, but just what sort of role he's going to have in that Bunnies pack? Obviously, Jai Arrow joins. You've got you know Burgess and Totola probably starting up front unless Arrow bumps one of them out. A, a, a bit of a vacancy on an edge. Obviously, Ethan Lowe was the, the main guy last year. He was injured. Bailey Sirenin came in and took the spot. He's gone to the Warriors. They're still at a vacant edge spot. They've got you know, Jacob Host come over from the Dragons. Jed Cartwright's in the squad. There, there are edge players there, but um, I feel like there's potentially a bit of a risk that, that Cam Murray's going to have to uh, spend some time out wide again. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the flip side of that is probably the ideal situation for fantasy coaches is he does what Toho Harris did at the Warriors last year and play you know, 20, half an hour on the edge and then the rest of the game or close to it in the middle, in mm. which case his minutes will be quite high and he doesn't get stuck on the edge the whole game. But, um, yeah, short of that, I think there's better op- options elsewhere. A genuine edge forward in Viliami Kikau um, in almost 12% of teams. He's at 568k, break-even of 42. Obviously can produce some eye-catching uh, attacking stats, but he's not a huge base stats guy. Yeah, he's one of those examples of... Um, Good NRL player, not great fantasy player, I think. He had a, a breakout season a few years ago where he was terrific and um, had quite big scores, but more importantly, made a lot of money for fantasy coaches. Mm. And since then, he's been scoring in the mid-40s, I think, pretty much every year. He looks cheap um, compared with the other guys in this list, but he doesn't tend to score you know, above 50. So I'll be looking elsewhere, personally. The games where he doesn't sort of bust... Yeah. You know, a bunch of tackles and, and get a line breaker a try. You can be a little bit quiet, as you said. Ninth most owned edge forward, another dual position who we touched on last week. Torhu Harris was under the radar pretty much all of last year, a real point of difference played right through the season despite churning out some real solid scores. He's in um, over 10% of teams at the moment. Dual position, like I said, 807K. Probably not really any upside, but a, a very solid fantasy option. Yeah, again, a lot like uh, Crichton. He's 20, what, 25 grand. Uh, cheaper, so slightly cut price, but should again score 60 points a game, you would think, like last year. Maybe he'll have to do less tackling if the Warriors improve, so that could hurt his scores a little bit, but yeah, really solid, reliable dual position option. That's um, that's the top nine, which is probably the, there's a bit of a gap, uh, 10.5% from Torhu down to uh, 8.5% for number 10, which is Keenan Palacia from the Broncos at uh, absolute uh, bargain price of 228k. Probably a bit of a placeholder, I'm thinking. I think so. He's probably an auto-pick uh, player, very cheap, but won't play, so mm. avoid couple of guys worth chatting about just after that outside the top 10. Andrew Davey from uh, the Sea Eagles came across from Parramatta. He's in almost as many teams as Palacia, 364k. The question there is is who starts uh, for Joel Thompson on that edge. Obviously, Curtis Sirian's in the other spot. Um, Jack Gajewski's capable of doing it. Um, young Hamali uh, had a breakout game last year. He's uh, a chance of slotting into a, an edge spot as well. But if Davey gets it, we've seen a, a bit of dynamic play from him in his limited chances at the Eels. He can offload. He's, um, he's got a bit of ball playing about him. So if he does get the starting spot, he could be a good option. Yeah, very good. I think if he starts, he'll be in my team. Um, I think he scored quite well in his few starts last year. Mm. Should at least score above 40, you would think, and he's priced at 27. So uh, great value. Any of the guys after that, the next few most owned, Jackson Ford, Kurt Capewell, Siddeley Tupanua, 
uh, Darius Farmer, I think, is another placeholder. I think Jackson Ford's a good one. He's a bit more expensive uh, than Davey, but uh, break-even 33. Looks like he's, I guess, almost certain to start in the back row somewhere now. With McInnes injured, that lock spot's open as well. I mm. think he was probably likely to start in the second row anyway, so should score again, 40 and up. I don't know if that's quite cheap enough with a 33 break-even, but if he can you know, push his scores towards 45 or 50, then absolute bargain. Any uh, anyone else a bit further down the list catching your eye? Joe Stimson's very cheap. I was just about to ask. <laughs> a couple about of years him. ago, I got a little too excited about how good Joe Stimson yeah. was going to be at fantasy, and it did not happen. But uh, yeah, for that reason, he's priced at two forty six, just above mm. the rookies. If he gets decent minutes, there's mm. been some talk he might play in the middle, even half an hour, forty minutes as a, a bench middle. That might be enough at his price. But uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, who else? Ryan Madison's another one of those big you know three or four yeah. elite scorers in the second row he just um yeah in fewer teams than Crichton and mm. Harris he's not dual position I think which is the reason why he's not as popular as those guys mm. I think you almost need one of either Crichton or Madison in your, in your squad just to to shore yeah. up those edges or, or for feeder I guess um anyone else in the two RS before we move on that's probably enough. Yeah, I think the idea is eventually you want at least two of those elite scorers yeah. you know, in your starting team. But yeah, there's a fair few uh, value options as well Absolutely. for the start of the year. Let's have a chat about the uh, halves. There's certainly some interesting uh, options getting around there. So if we look at the top 10, um, most owned player, probably shouldn't be a surprise despite the enormous price tag, is uh, Nathan Cleary, who averaged a whopping 72-plus throughout uh, Penrith's uh, minor premiership run last year. He's in 33.5% uh, of teams and is almost a million dollars. Yes, was uh, amazing in fantasy last year. Um, just edged out uh, Payne Haas and Cameron McGuinness to be the top scorer overall. He's the captain of about a quarter of fantasy teams uh, right now. Uh, easily the most popular captain. Second is um, Harry Grant, of all people, with 4.5% yeah. of teams. So, uh, yeah, Cleary, I can see why there's a lot of attraction there. Um, you know, of those three guys who scored more than 70, Haas is going to get reduced minutes by all accounts this year, and McGuinness is out mm. for the season. So, well, Haas misses the start of the season. And Haas misses the start of the season as well, yeah. So Cleary is obviously the standout. Um, in saying that, I think there's a decent chance his scores take a dip this year just because Penrith's season last year was mm. going to be so hard to replicate. They won the minor premiership, obviously, after jumping from, I think, ninth the year before. Yeah. Um, but so many stats they led the league in. Um, just possession. They had 55% of possession yeah. across the whole season, which no team got close to that. No other team got 52%, which doesn't sound like much, but it means they had um, 40 more sets during across yeah. the season than any other team. They had most kicks during the year, so not just... Obviously, Cleary dominates the kicks for the Panthers. Jerome Lawyer doesn't kick it very often, but um, he had more chances to kick as well. So um, uh, they came second for most tries, most goals, so that, that helps him as well. So, yeah, for him to score 73 points a game again, you pretty much need the, Pan the Panthers to be to dominate the league as they did last year. Yeah. And it's hard for teams to do that. Teams don't often... You know, win the minor premiership back to back. Um, a lot of things went Penrith's way in terms of yeah. injuries and stuff last year. It was a weird season. You know, the Storm were playing out out of Melbourne. The Warriors relocated. Lots of teams relocated. So, yeah, I think you have to be pretty confident in Penrith to to do it again mm. if you want him to match those scores. In saying that, he's still going to be one of the best halves yeah. in the game. So, I think he'll score. You know, at least sixty five and up, but. 
there's a chance you could go a bit cheaper and get a Cherry Evans, Mitch Moses, one of these guys, and, and get maybe similar scores. Yeah, I agree. I think he's set for a little bit of a correction, as as are Penrith as a whole. Like you said, it just so much went right. Um, and that uh, possession stat, like you said, it doesn't sound massive. It's actually huge. It's it's to have what three percent per game more than any other team is is absolutely ridiculous, and it plays into the hands of a an attacking playmaker like Cleary, who um, yeah, seventy two and a half points per game. I'd be really surprised if he can uh, match that again. But like you said, we'll we'll be one of the primos no matter what. Um, second most owned, another guy in a little bit of an injury cloud, but certainly a lot of appeal in uh, a quarter of all teams, Jake Averillo from the Bulldogs at 302,000. I guess the big question mark is whether he um, is the preferred 5'8 to partner Kyle Flanagan and whether he's fit to start the season. Yeah, another tricky injury one where he's uh, got an elbow injury. There was fears he was going to miss the start of the season. The Bulldogs say he will play uh, in round one, but where will it be? Will it be 5'8? Will it be in the centres? Um, will he be a utility? The ideal is he plays 5-8 and keeps that spot all year, in which case he's break even if 23 is very low. Um, he's been a pretty good scorer in his game time as well. Mm. Um, obviously hard to score well in the centres, but if he plays in the halves, I don't know, can he score 40 points a game? Mostly from running game, you know, tackle breaks and the like, yeah. tackles. He's got a really good running game. He's a good little attacking player. You'd think um, if he does play in the halves that Cole Flanagan's going to be the main guy in yeah. terms of the, the kick metres and so on. But I think he can easily achieve 40 points per game um, playing in the halves. He probably needs the Bulldogs to improve a bit just so they're not on the back foot the whole time. But, I mean, that you know, people are sort of, a lot of people sipping them for the spoon. I think improvement is achievable, yep. if not huge improvement, certainly some improvement. Um, number three on the list, a guy I really like this year. I don't think I've ever really owned him in fantasy, despite the fact that he's been good for a long time. It's Cameron Munster in uh, almost uh, a quarter of teams at 671k, uh, break-even of 50. Yeah, exactly the same. So he's another guy who's traditionally been good NRL player, not great fantasy mm. scorer, at least compared to the very best halves. But this year could be different. Um, break-even of 50, so he was... A pretty good scorer last year, but with Cameron Smith gone, that means that there's kick metres up for grabs that Smith normally does that Harry Grant probably won't do uh, out of uh, dummy half. So one of the Storm halves will pick up some more kicks. There's goals to take, so either Munster kicks or Pappenhausen kicks goals. We're not sure at this point. We'll find out hopefully this weekend, but we'll wait and see. Um, Yeah, and if he gets... You know, if his kick meters double and he gets goals, then that's an easy path towards maybe 60 points a game and, and one of the elite fantasy halves. Mm. I know you've had a bit of a look at the um, the turnover stat. He's a guy who mm. we kind of associate with one-on-one steals, with potentially intercepts. Do you, do you see him getting much of a boost in that regard? That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, um, again, it's not going to be a massive boost, but say if it's even two or three points a game, then that's um, that could bring him over, you know, from 67, sorry, 57 points to 60 points and then, you know, definite keeper in the half. So, uh, yeah, it it all helps. Um, Ideally, he kicks goals. I'm not sure if he's not kicking goals, whether I'll pick him, but um, if he is, then I think he's a a very good option. Yep. Uh, Fourth most owned, an out-and-out rookie in Sam Walker, son of uh, Ben Walker, who played for Brisbane and South and Manly. Um, 228K. He's at the Roosters. Um, Doesn't look like he's going to start the season, though. I think it's going to be Keary and uh, Lachlan Lamb in the halves there. But um, Sam Walker potentially going to get a chance through the year. But currently in almost 19% of teams, that's probably a little bit too many teams. Yeah. His chances of playing round one. A bit optimistic, I think. Uh, As you say, he's going to miss out round one by all accounts. So... um, 
yeah, probably one not to get now, but very good chance he plays at some point and he'll be a good guy to, you know, cash out one of your peaked cash hours and mm. get in a, a bargain basement uh, price player who, you know, is very good. I've seen him play some um, uh, for a junior kangaroos and, and he was the standout. So yeah. he's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be this year. Um, one to look at a bit down the track. One point that's worth raising that impacts Sam Walker and, and quite a few of the other rookies that uh, we're talking about at NRL level is the fact that there was no lower grades mm. last year once we came back from COVID. All these young guys who would normally have been at the age of 18 learning to play against grown men in the New South Wales Cup missed out on that year of development and they probably really need at least the first couple of months of this year to build back into that, you know, just that contact of playing against 110 yep. kilogram blokes when they've only really, you know, played in the, the jersey flag or the SG ball or yeah. whatever it is coming through the grades, to throw them straight into NRL in round one at the age of 18 or 19, having missed that year, uh, is a huge ask. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, number five on the list, little bit of a, an injury question mark over his uh, recent history, but uh, oil reports trading the proverbial <laughs> house down. It's Matthew Moylan from the Cronulla Sharks at 310,000 in over 18% of teams. What are your thoughts? Look, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Normally, you would, if you, someone said, do you want Matt Moylan in your fantasy team? It's just a blanket no. Like yeah. his, his scoring hasn't been great of late anyway. Yeah. His injury record is very bad. So easily it, it could go wrong. And um, But in saying that, he's, he's very cheap. His break-even is 23 um, he'll start the season in the halves with Sean Johnson sidelined and then probably move to fullback when Johnson comes back. He actually scores a little better at fullback. I think his career average at fullback is 38 fantasy points, yep. which is you know, pretty good and very good for his starting price. So if you think he's going to stay fit for at least two months and score mid-30s, then he's not a terrible shout. He's just going to be nervous every, week, every yeah. Sharks game, I think, that he's going to get injured again. That's the if, isn't it? If he stays fit, he mm. makes money, no question. Yeah. But that's if. Uh, next most owned is Lachlan Lamb from the Roosters, the guy who's probably going to start ahead of Sam Walker alongside Luke Keary in the halves. Looked pretty good when he got chances last year, some untimely injuries. He's in almost 14% of teams. Not as cheap as we'd like him to be at 446k break-even of 33, but still if he's playing 80 at 5'8", a chance to, to make some money. Yeah, I think he should score quite well. Um, he scored well in the past uh, when starting in the halves. Only very limited chances, but um, his points per minute is quite good. He got injured, I think, during the first half of the game, but he was scoring close to point a minute then. So, yeah, solid defender, can kick a bit, um, good attacker. Um, the Roosters are uh, happy enough to start him in the team and with the all-star backline that they've got, so... Yeah, I think he should score mid-40s, priced at low 30s, so pretty safe bet as a cash cow, I would say. You know, Unless something goes wrong and they do drop him for Walker early on, but as you say, I don't think it's going to come for you know, at least a couple of months into the season. Yep. Maybe not at all. Uh, after that, it's Tex Hoy from the Newcastle Knights, also very cheap at 314k in 12% uh, of teams. We'll start the season at fullback, uh, as far as we know, with Kalen Ponger out for roughly the opening month of the competition. The question for me is, that four or so weeks that Ponger is out, is that long enough to own Hoy in the risk that he then goes back to reserve grade after three or four rounds? Yeah, it's a big risk. You really want to be confident that Ponger's going to miss, ideally, six weeks or more mm. before locking in Hoy. Um, I mean, in that sense, he's probably riskier than Moylan. You know, Moylan's filling in for Sean Johnson, but he'll at least keep a spot in the team somewhere 
if he's fit uh, when Johnson comes back, whereas Hoy probably drops out of the whole side when Ponga yeah. comes back. So if he plays for three or four weeks, he'll make some money, but not really enough to justify it, I don't think. Um, I mean, the Knights have got a reasonably easy start to the season, so they might rack up some big attacking mm. stats. His break-even's in the 20s, so low 20s. So if he has one or two big games early on, he'll make enough money, but... Yeah, a few ifs there. If Ponga comes back after two or three weeks, then Hoy's going to be a disaster of a pick. Yeah, and you're right. I don't think he holds a spot in the, the 17. Uh, Kurt Mann's available as a utility. Connor Watson, who yep. we think's going to start at lock, can cover a few spots if they want to run a four-forward bench. I just don't see um, Tex Hoy getting a spot in that 17 week to week once everyone else is available. And that, that could happen sooner rather than later. Uh, another rookie is the next most owned. Manly's Josh Schuster is uh, in over 11% of teams at 274k. Should be good if he starts, but that's a big if as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, if he gets the 5'8 role ahead of Kieran Foran, which again, as you say, a, a big if, then he's great value, but they've bought Foran for a reason. Um, again, Foran's one of those guys who you probably can't guarantee is going to be fit for the whole season, so I'm sure Schuster gets a chance at some point, but... Uh, if it's not round one, then then wait on, you know, for later in the season for him to get his chance. Trials should be a bit of an indication, but it looks at the moment as if it's going to be four and with DCE in the halves and then, you know, Lachlan Croker or someone yeah. taking over at, uh, at hooker. So Schuster might have to, to bide his time in reserve grade for a while, in which case you don't really want him in your, uh, in your 21 for round one. Uh, coming in after that, I assume this is another placeholder or potentially just a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> It's Jack A. Williams from the Sharks, the um, the halfback who copped a nasty throat injury during the trial uh, a week ago. He's not a, a very, very cheap version of Jack Williams, the lock forward. Yeah, different player and one who shouldn't be in your team. Yeah, if you've got Jack A. Williams in your halves at 228k, time to make a trade. Uh, what's that, nine players? So rounding yep. at the top ten, we have Jerome Luai, real breakout season last year, priced at 602k this year um, in 8.5% eight, eight teams. Yeah, he was great last year as a cash cow. He was really good as a scorer even in the second half of the season. I feel like he averaged 50 for a while there. His uh, average across the season was 45, which is what he's priced at now. Um, in saying that, he had heaps of assists last year, a lot of tackle breaks. Yep. Hard to see him matching those numbers this year, you know, again, unless Penrith win the minor premiership by a mile. So, um, and even then, if he matches that score, then it's not really worth having your team. He's not a cash cow, not a keeper. Yeah, I agree. I think he comes back a little bit without, was he 20 something, 23 try assists last yeah. year? I can't see him replicating that. So, um, yeah, probably going to come back a little bit in terms of his scoring. Uh, that's the top 10, but I do want to talk about number 11 because it's. Daily Cherry Evans, who uh, I think should be higher up in terms of ownership mm. than he is, currently 7.8% of teams. Very expensive, obviously. Chance that he takes over goal-kicking full-time. Um, chance that he gets some more attacking stats if Manly improve. A um, little bit of upside around DCE, you reckon? Yeah, he also scores, I think, a little better when Tom Trebojevic is injured, as he is now, um, because he kind of, I think, feels the need to do just about everything for that Manly team and attack when Turbo's not there. Um yeah, which is probably offset with, uh, I assume, Garrett comes in for Trebojevic or starts fullback maybe and kicks goals, which sounds like doesn't it, yeah. help DCE. But, yeah, if he kicks goals, I think then DCE is an absolute um, great buy to start with. Mm. Uh, very good scorer in all situations. Um, uh, yeah, without the goals, he's pretty good. He's obviously rung below Cleary based on last year, which is why he's much less popular than Cleary. But, yeah, I don't mind him as a cut price option that yeah. could get similar scores this season. 
A couple of options a bit further down. Would you look at um, Dylan Walker at 317k, dual position? He's in 6.3% of teams. Very cheap because yeah. he missed so much footy last year. I'm not even 100% sure he starts the season. Probably not in the halves, but but maybe as a, as a mm. centre option. Um, I haven't really considered it, but there's... You know, centers that we'll talk about them them next week are notoriously yeah. tough, and he's got a bit of um, pedigree there. So yeah, not a bad option there. There's a few others. Um, Chad Townsend's a long way down. I did think of him when Sean Johnson got injured or mm. was going to miss the start of the season. If Johnson was going to miss, you know, guaranteed two months, say Townsend sounds like he's going to kick goals. Probably he's definitely going to get more kick meters yep. alongside Moylan. So. Um, Break even in the low 30s, should score in the low 40s, so some upside there. Only if, only as long as Johnson's out. So if Johnson comes back in a month, then Townsend goes back to his probably low score, low 30s scores like he had last year. So mm. uh, one to watch there. The other guy you mentioned, Lachlan Croker, playing hooker at Manly, yep. probably for round one. Um, he's very cheap, 307k, break even in the low 20s. Uh, has played a lot of time as a bench hooker. I don't think he's ever started at hooker. Yep. Uh, so his fantasy scores have never been good, but if he plays fifty minutes or sixty minutes at hooker, yeah, you know he should score mid high thirties at least. In which case, you know that's cash cow territory. Mm, have to get a few just in tackles, you would think. Um, and yeah, three or seven k is very cheap. Any you touched on him earlier, but Mitch Moses is a bit of a, a poor man's Cleary. He was obviously hampered with a, a calf injury last year, so if he recovers from that, I think his try assists year on year dropped yeah, massively okay. from from nineteen to twenty. So if he gets a few more try assists in twenty one, and his running game sort of bounces back with that calf, he, he could be a half decent option. Yeah, it's a good point. His breakout year fantasy wise, probably the year before, where you know his kick meters took off. He's um, yeah, errors and missed tackles dropped a bit, I think, uh, yeah. that year as well. He's running games good. He gets a lot of tries. So, yeah, if you don't want to splash out on uh, Cleary or even DCE, then Moses is a deep, decent keeper. He's probably going to be one of those top three or four keeper options in the halves, along with those guys and maybe Monster. Yep. Scrolling down the list, I think that's probably most of the, the relevant guys, unless there's someone else you can see that I've... There's a few other maybe left field ones. Jamal Fogarty was really good in the second half of last yeah. year. Um, scored in the high 50s, maybe 57 for the second half of the year. Priced at 50, so it's not cheap. But if you think he can maintain those kind of scores, then he's underpriced. Uh, Chanel Harris-DeVita is pretty popular at the Warriors. Yep. He's young. I don't really know if he's going to improve massively on last year, but he should improve you know, a little and steadily in the next few seasons. Yep, Absolutely. That brings us to the end of another podcast discussing the edge forwards and the halves. We'll be back this time next week for the last positional breakdown, talking about the very tricky centre position and also the wing fullbacks. We'll have some more trials to talk about, which is very handy, a much better idea of who's going to be starting for their respective sides in round one, who's going to be the, the goal kickers and the, the starters and the benchies and, and so on. Um, do you reckon we'll take a few questions next week? We Why not? Let's get the questions started next make week. Make an early shout-out now. Tag uh, me at Kennedy 80 or Dom at Dom underscore Brock on Twitter if you've got any early questions for next week's podcast we'll do a shout out between now and then as well uh, until then thank you for joining us